Well, good morning, church, and thank you for continuing to join us online every week. Hey, listen, the book of Daniel has been such a blessing through this pandemic season. I hope you've had a chance to catch our previous sermons on Daniel. This will be our last sermon, but if you haven't got a chance to get caught up, I want to encourage you to get caught up. What a blessing and what an awesome example that Daniel is. Through the life of Daniel, we have learned that we can become culturally relevant for the cause of Christ without becoming spiritually irrelevant. Through the book of Daniel, we learn that we can serve the Lord for the serve the world for the sake of the gospel without becoming a servant to the world. We have learned that we can live in an excessive, self-absorbent culture without becoming corrupted by it. And so we see the Judean exiles living in the Babylonian culture. And we've learned um, in our previous lesson that Babylon is evil. It is more evil than all past, all present, dark civilizations. It is the epitome of evil. And the Bible actually uses Babylon uh, more than any other city. It is named in the Bible. It's only second to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the exact contrast of what the city of Babylon was. See, Babylon was very dark and sinful and enticing and alluring and very tempting, and it corrupted um, anybody and defiled everybody. Um, and it was easy to be sucked in and to be to blend in and become exactly like the culture. But we don't see that with Daniel. We don't see that with the people of God. And so that's what we've been examining. How can we live in today? world, not just living and surviving, but how can we go from living and surviving to thriving in the midst of these days? And so we see in Daniel chapter 5, King Belshazzar dies. Um, and and Babylon, Babylon is um, peacefully conquered, embarrassingly so. We see that it's actually really interesting, you guys, that Babylon was this amazing, mighty, magnificent, great city. And through this city ran the Euphrates River and the city. And because of that, the city had 20 years of stockpiles of goods and foods and the city could not be penetrated. So if another stronger uh, city, uh, uh, civilization would come and attack it, um, they, ha- they, they had water flowing through it and they had tons of supplies so they could, they could handle being attacked. But here's what happened. When the water uh, tide was low in the Euphrates River, the Medes were able to kind of come in through the Solis Gate where the water enters into the city and they were able to peacefully overtake Babylon. No blood was shed. And so this is where we pick up on our story that this great uh, city of Babylon is peacefully conquered, embarrassingly easy because of its false sense of security. And it was taken over by the Medo-Persian rule. Nebuchadnezzar's mighty Babylon has fallen. And we see this. Our first point is this, that life Surroundings, circumstances, seasons may change, but our commitment to Christ, our commitment to the Lord needs to remain steadfast. Um, In Daniel chapter 5, verse 30, let's pick up the story there. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede, 
took over the kingdom at age 62. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So there you have it. You have Daniel living in the land of Babylon. He is 80 years old. Now to be 80 years old and be on the council of not one, not two, but three separate kings. Daniel had lived through three separate kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now uh, Darius. And the Lord had given him favor. It says, we just read it here, that he was distinguished. He was exceptional, um, that he had exceptional qualities. And the others, the other administrators, the other satraps were just plain flat out jealous of Daniel. But we see that in this, that Daniel is proof that corruption is not compulsory, that we can live a life of integrity and we need to be intentional and deliberate about guarding, safeguarding our faith and that we can live in a corrupt world, in a corrupt culture, and we can live a life of integrity. And that's what Daniel did, which is, brings me to uh, point number two, which is this, have a resolve in your heart to do what is pleasing to God. And I think there's something to be said about resolves. And I'm not talking about, you know, New Year's resolutions that, you know, oh, I, I, I wish I, I hope I can, uh, I really would love to, you know, when we say whatever, get financially free, lose weight, be more healthy, whatever it might be. And there, it's more like wishful, wishful thinking. But I think in this sense and, and what Daniel had, there had to be a resolve to be, I'm, we, are, I, we are called to live differently. And I'm reminded of, um, I remember, I think I was a freshman in high school. Um, I'm sorry, I was a freshman in college and I had come back you know, for winter break and my mom was like, whoa! Because you know, I had probably packed on the freshman 30. It wasn't even 15. Um, but you know, what I love to do is I love to drink regular Coke. So we would go, you know, to a restaurant or whatever. I could have like five refills and it's just so easy to drink and drink those cups of soda. And my mom's like, you have to stop with the sugar water. And, um, and I'm, I'm telling you, like I made a resolve, like from that day on, like I do not drink sugar water. It is bad for my health. It is bad for the way I look. I do not do it like ever. I would rather go thirsty than drink you know, an iced tea with a bunch of sugar in it. I've made a resolve in my heart and, and I've stuck to it. I'm reminded of a story of Polycarp. Uh, he was one of the first martyrs in uh, church history. And the story goes, he was an 86 year old man. And this man was special because it was believed that he was one of the last disciples 
of John, John, the disciple of Jesus. So Polycarp is about to be set on fire and he's an old man. He's 86 years old. And the men that are that have to tie him to the stake, that have to bring him out, tie him to the stake in front of everybody, they said, just, just say that you renounce Christ so you don't have to do this. And he's like, no, how could I ever ever renounce my Lord and Savior who's been nothing but good to me. And they're like, but you don't have to. I think they felt pity for this old man. And they probably saw the conviction and his resolve that I I will follow Jesus even to death. And he did. He died for the sake of Christ. And that Polycarp's resolve gave all the other martyrs the courage to stand in the face of Rome, to stand in the face of persecution and keep their eyes on the eyes of the glory and the prize that was set before him. There is something about having a resolve that you're like, I'm going to resolve to do this no matter what. And that's what happens here with Daniel. We read on, let's read on in chapter um, six, verse five. Finally, the men said, we'll never find any basis or charge against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators in the satraps went as a group before the king and said, O king, Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects and satraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home. He went upstairs to his room where the window had been opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he prayed. He got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. And then these men as a group found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They went to the king and spoke to him about this royal decree. Did you not publish a decree during the next 30 days? And anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den. And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is in the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the decree you put in writing, he still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and he made every effort until sundown to save him. Daniel 6, 13, we see that an edict is published, that it goes out, the law is given. And Daniel does exactly what Daniel always does in times of crisis, just as predicted by his jealous co-workers, he does what he always does, and that is to go to his home three times a day to pray to his God. It's interesting, it, it got me thinking, do we live lives that are so predictably holy that even the bad guys know it. Like, wow, we know we can get them in trouble if we just accuse them of praying to God. Are we so predictably holy? We can follow Daniel's examples in times of crises because I think this is one of those times of crises. I mean, 
for Daniel. He, a law has gone out. He's lived through. This is the third king he's serving. And we see what Daniel does in the face of emergency. And I think that there's different ways that we can react in times of crisis, in times of emergency. I've seen it. Um, but w- one of the things we can do is we can panic. And we do the wrong thing when we panic because we're not thinking. We're just irrational. And, and maybe we're running around. Um, another thing when emergency or disaster or crisis hits is, is we get paralyzed and we do nothing. But what we can do and what we see Daniel doing here is we can pray. And that is the power thing. So we can do the wrong thing, we can do nothing, or we can do the thing that brings power forth in our lives. And that's exactly what we see Daniel doing. We, like Daniel, can practice a holy habit for a long enough time until it becomes an old pattern. And I love how Philippians 6, um, how Philippians 4, 6, and 7 puts this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're going to pick up the story, Daniel chapter 6, where I'm just going to paraphrase it for you, where you see the king um, worried sick that he like, what has he just done? He is, he's condemned his right hand man to the lion's den and, and he's troubled and he's worried and he's trying to figure out a way to get Daniel out of this law that he so thoughtlessly, uh, decreed and said, let's go for it. And, and alas, there was no way, you know, the story, there was no way out of it that this was something that had to be done. And so Daniel is thrown into a lion's den. And I'm sure they were hungry lions. I know we probably all have this Sunday school picture of these big, beautiful lions from the zoo, but I mean, they might've been pretty skinny and scrawny and uh, ready to eat a human. And um, Daniel is thrown in and the word of God says the king could not sleep. He was greatly troubled the whole night. He said, may, may your God save you. And, you know, Daniel, the lid is put on and Daniel's left there overnight. And in the morning, the king like wakes up early, has the lid removed. And like, Daniel, has your God saved you? And Daniel's like, yes, my God shut the mouths of the lions and I'm saved. And uh, they bring Daniel out. It's a big celebration. And now the king feeling greatly manipulated that has all of, you know, Daniel's co-workers thrown into the lion's den. And we can see how volatile and how, you know, quickly a king can change his mind. Um, but here is the conclusion that when you honor God, when you honor God with your life and you say, I will not compromise in this area. Let me tell you something that you cannot lose. Now, I don't mean like you're going to have this amazing victory. You're going to be delivered out of the mouth of the lion every time because like I said before, there were martyrs who died for Christ. But in the end, we have heaven, we have eternity, we have Christ. You cannot lose when you choose to honor God with your life. You cannot lose when you choose 
to trust God with your life. And I want to encourage, I know as we're coming up to graduation seasons and decisions have to be made, we're wanting, you know, looking at different colleges or maybe you want to get a summer job or, or maybe you want to go on a missions trip or whatever the case may be that you cannot lose when you decide to honor God with your life. You don't know how many times, um, you know, working throughout youth ministry or even in my own life where working on Sundays is just a thing. You know, I got a job at Starbucks. Um, and when I got hired, while I was in the interview, I could tell it was going really well. And then it came to like, what's your availability? Now, in order, everybody knows, in order to get a job, you gotta say like, I'm available all the time. You know, like you wanna make yourself hireable. But I, I have made a resolve in my heart that I will not miss church. That my commitments at church, the serving at church, the things I do at church are more important than me working any job. And so, you know, the big question comes, like, can you work on Sundays? Uh, I'm so sorry. I cannot work on Sunday mornings. I can work you know, Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons, I'm willing to come in, but I cannot work Sunday mornings. And let me tell you, like nine times out of 10, pretty much any time that I've told the work that I cannot do it. And I've had other jobs like lifeguarding, you don't ask for the weekends off. That's like the biggest day. But I would go through the training and they would like the work, they would like my integrity, they like who I was. And I say, hey, you know what? I will work so hard for you guys. I'll be here every day. I won't call in sick, but I cannot work on Sundays. I am so sorry. And the Lord has given me favor. Not only would I have Sundays off, but I would have favor in those workplace situations. Just last week, you guys heard about the favor that John had with Bank of America. He believed that God was saying like, you are doing too much. You need to cut something out. So he went to his work and said, I cannot do this anymore. And they said, uh, they ended up paying for us. God gave him ma massive favor. They paid for his school. He only had to work one day a month and it really opened up and cleared his schedule. Young people, moms, dads, families, if your job is pulling you away from your commitment from the Lord, if your job is pulling you away from your commitments with your family, then maybe it's not the job for you. Or maybe the Lord has given you favor and maybe you just need to walk out in that courage and boldness and be like, excuse me, I'm so sorry, I cannot work on these days. And allow the Lord to open or close that door for you. I challenge you. I know this is a, a big issue for people. Um, I'm reminded of uh, Olympian, Eric Little. He uh, raced for Great Britain. Uh, he was a Scottish man in the 1920s. He competed, he, was, he, was, he got to compete for the Olympics and his race was the 100 meter dash. And maybe you've seen the movie um, Chariots of Fire and you know this story, but it goes like this. His race was the 100 meter. That's what he was favored to win the gold medal in. And he gets to the Olympics, he's ready to compete, and then the race schedule comes out and it's spoken that the 100 yard dash, his race was to be run on Sunday. And as soon as he saw that, he went to the race officials and said, I am so sorry, I do not race on the Sabbath. I cannot race on the Sunday. And let me tell you, it upset everybody um, that he would not run, but he had made a resolve in his heart to honor God in this way. And he did not run it, run the race. 
And um, what had ended up happening is the 400 yard meter opened up for him to run. And that was on a weekday. And not only did he run it, but he also got a gold medal in it. And Eric Little later on went to be a missionary in China. And he then later died in a Japanese internment camp during World War II in his 40s. But let me tell you, the reward for that man in heaven must be great because he decided to honor God that even though he lost his life, that his crown of glory in the end was far outweighed the earthly glory. We will, we will have opportunities in this life. And we've learned through Daniel that we will have opportunities that we will see when we live like this, that we will experience glorious, intense encounters. We see this in 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 18. Paul is encouraging young Timothy in his letter. He's saying, Timothy, it's not going to be easy. And this is what Paul says. I love it. At first, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength so that through me the message may be fully proclaimed and that all Gentiles may hear it and I will be delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul encourages young Timothy, says, hey, I was rescued from the lion's den. I believe that when we live lives like Daniel lived, we will emerge from terribly hurtful situations unhurt. When we live a life like Daniel, we let the world become impressed with our God. And that is exactly what Paul says here, that the Gentiles will see and praise the Lord, that Darius, King Darius, a Gentile, someone who is not a believer, Daniel has your God saved you. And then he praises the Lord. He says, Daniel's God is the true God. How many times did that happen throughout da the, the reign of the different kings as Daniel served them, that those kings declared Daniel's God is the true God. Finally, Daniel's life in Babylon, I believe that he perhaps saw more miracles, more amazing, mighty activity from the Lord than he would have in Jerusalem. We learned that as Daniel lived in Babylon, that he experienced God's presence was with the people of God, whether in Jerusalem or in Babylon. Daniel got to watch God give Israel over to the kingdom of Babylon, but Daniel also got to see Israel being delivered out of Babylon. The book of Jeremiah is a prophetic book to the people who are going to be in Babylon, the people who are going to be exiled in Babylon. And Jeremiah says this in 25, 11, and 12. This whole country will become desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation and the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord, and I will make it a desolate place forever. We see that as we come to the end and the close of a series of Daniel, that the book of Jeremiah prophesied this 
time. That, it's, that we know that God will do what he says exactly as he says every time. The book of Jeremiah is a prophetic book to the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. This book was written, was declared to these people right before they were taken into captivity to Babylon. We see in 25 verses 11 and 12, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation of the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord, and I will make it desolate forever. The prophet wrote these words to the people right before they were in captivity. And we can see that when the Medes took over, when Darius uh, was king, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, about a year after that, then Judah was released to go back to their land and rebuild. That the people in exile got to see the fulfillment of what was prophesied in the words of Jeremiah. That the people of Daniel, that Daniel himself, who has lived a long, upright life, continuously faithful and obedient, for 80 years, he got to live. And at the end of his life, he got to see his people return to their homeland. And that this verse, we all know this verse, but this verse was written to encourage and to give them hope. We see Jeremiah 29 verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future and then you will call upon me and I will come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord and will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all of the nations and the places where I have banished you declares the Lord and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God has placed you exactly where he wants you, whether you are at home with your children, whether you're in the workforce, whether you're a student in school, whether you're um, homeschooled, whatever your situation may be, that God has placed you right where he wants you, that he knows he has a plan and a promise and a hope and a future for you, that he has placed you in that particular season of life so that you can be a light to the world, that you can shine in the darkness, that you can stand for what is right, that you can be just like Daniel, that you can resolve to serve the Lord even in the face of fire, even in the face of the lion, that you can serve the Lord. And as you do, the Gentiles, the people who don't know, the outsiders will praise the Lord because they'll see the goodness of God shining in and through your life. Be encouraged today, church. You are not alone. We are in this together and we 
can continue to follow him and thank God for examples like Daniel that we can look to and, and, and know that it is possible, that we do not have to be corrupt, that we can be salt and light to a hurting and broken world. And so I'm gonna pray for you today. So Lord, we come before you. We thank you, God, for the life of Daniel. We thank you for his example. We thank you, Lord, for his resolve to follow you. Lord, I pray right now for a courage and a strength for each person who is listening. Lord, you've called us to different seasons and, and situations. Lord, I pray, God, that, um, Lord, if we are in things that we need to step out of, that you would make that clear, whether it would be a job or a relationship or something that's not healthy for us or our, for our families, that we would have the faith and the courage to say, not for me, not right now. And we would step away and trust you, Lord, with, with filling in the gaps, whether it be financial need or relational need, that we would trust you. And Lord, um, for those who are in a hard place, but you've called them here, maybe they're experiencing persecution or maybe the, just they, they're feeling attacked right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would um, set their, their mind on heavenly things, that they would, um, as uh, Philippians says, that in everything by prayer and petition would they let their request be made known to you and that the peace of God would come and fill their lives and their hearts. Lord, make us a people that in crisis and emergency, Lord, we look to you. We need you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are swift to rescue and to give your presence. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you, God, that, you, that, that we can thrive in this world because of you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.